0: Hey, Fiends of the Pod. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff, reminding you to like, subscribe, and comment. You can also go to coltonclassicfilms.com/slash-subscribe and sign up to have cult exclusive movies sent to your door every single month. These are ultra low budget exclusive films that we get to you in the best quality possible with tons of extras like commentaries, milk caps, autographed posters, slip covers, all sorts of neat things. And remember, every time you like, subscribe, and buy a movie from us, you prevent Michael Bay from making one more film. So go ahead, subscribe, and enjoy. Welcome, friends and fiends of the pod. I'm your host, film critic and comedian Nate Wyckoff, and I wanted to pop in here to give a special introduction to this broadcast of our uh, May 2022 interview with film a Adam Thorne. Adam Thorne is an accomplished, ultra low budget filmmaker from Toronto, Canada. He also uh, hosts the Terrible Fest series of film festivals in Toronto and online. So check him out at terriblefest.com. And I am Extra, extra, extra proud to have as Colton Classic Films first film distribution release a double feature of Adam's films Assault on the Snake Men from 2020 and it Pastor from 2017. Assault on the Snake Men is a comedic action, uh, horror, sci fi film featuring uh, mutants that are snake like and need to be defeated in order to protect humankind in the near future. Muppet Pastor is the combination of the exorcist and the Muppets that you did not know you needed in your life. These are two fantastic films. They're very, very niche, funny, unique, and creative, and Adam should be commended for them. And please pick them up. You can go to cultandclassicfilms.com and buy these individually from our shop. Or we have a brand new subscription service, which you can find at coltonclassicfilms.com/slash-subscribe. It is a Patreon, and for a discounted price, we will send you our new releases every single month. We will have brand new cult film releases every month. I cannot wait to share with you what is in the pipeline. And this first release is uh, a really excellent way to launch the entire endeavor. So remember, you can go to cultandclassicfilms.com and buy either the a la carte films as well as tons of extras. Uh, We have special editions that have uh, milk caps, remember retro milk caps from the nineties, as well as autographed posters. Uh, reversible slip covers. These are really great things and you can buy many of them uh, individually or as a collector set. So check those out and make sure you go to our Patreon, cultinclassicfilmscom slash subscribe so you can see those great discounts and awesome benefits we have, including the chance to actually be on the show. So thank you so much. And without further ado, here's our interview with Adam Thorne
1: cult
0: and classic welcome friends and fiends to a very special episode of cult and classic podcast the podcast where we normally bring you two movies uh one that is cult one that is mainstream but both that are thematically linked i said that in the most complicated way possible which uh is appropriate because my brain has a bunch of crossed wires today that's okay because i am with adam thorne of right at the movies how are you doing today adam
1: I'm doing great. My brain always has crossed wires, so I totally understand, and we're going to talk about things that are cults-to-be classics, so it works out.
0: Exactly. Yeah, totally, and that is is sort of something that I love about, uh, we've talked before we started recording a little bit about the pandemic and how it sort of drove a lot of us online to sort of uh, live our cult film fantasies because we couldn't go out. Um, and it couldn't have that face-to-face contact with a lot of people, which some of us are still trying to get um, after post-pandemic time. But it really started to bring, for me at least, and this podcast, a lot more of the contemporary cult attitude films that aren't old enough or maybe even well-known enough yet to be cult, which sounds weird because we always think cult films is nearly unknown. But there are new movies and recent films that are truly cult films and um and these ultra low budget no budget uh films that that you sort of you always have your nose like right to the spigot of uh these films how do you how do you get the new movies that you talk about
1: how do i find them yeah. I, I think just straight out addiction you just live in a different <laughs> world and you just you're, you're you know you're looking for them automatically it's like it's like going on to Instagram when you scroll enough and you click enough of the same things, it just starts to be the only thing you see. And I think my eyes do that anyway. Um, there are so many of these guys and girls who are out there for so long doing these films and nobody knows it, but they've done it for their friends or they've done it for a small audience of their local town or whatever. Um, and it, that's, that shows and that needs to be supported. that these people have this passion for so long if no one's seeing it to be even if it's terrible that's a crime they need to know the story behind these things they need to know that these things exist i i published a I ter- i self-published a terrible book a long time ago i like to use the word terrible um and when i and my father-in-law owns a bookstore and he carried my book and one day he made a comment to me saying all the titles that you made up for that book are really funny. And um, I'm like, yeah, they are. I I love them. And he's like, where do you come up with those ideas? And then it dawned on me, it's just a book of reviews. That's all it was, of real films. I'm like, Oh, did you think I made all those up? Did you think those films aren't real? And he's like, (laughs) yeah, there's, there's no way that, that like half of those titles that." blood fart like is real there's no way that like uh, le- uh, it goes on and on and on that our uh is real and i'm like yeah no those are those are all real not a single one of those movies is made up they his look of just i don't know what to say next after that but all i could say was well i'm glad you read the book but, <laughs> but yeah that's a that's a different world
0: And it's true. And you, of course, mentioned Blood Fart Lake, which is Chris Seaver, friend, you know, Fiend of the Pod and and often guests on here. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people, Chris Seaver has sort of elevated to the next level of that no-budget filmmaking with his Warlock video and low-budget pictures because early on he got things on streaming, you know, um, with Netflix and things like that, I think for certain regions. Um, And so people sort of even beyond the few video stores that carried rentals like that, they started to see these things and think, oh, like there's this whole other level of films that um, they do not reach the mainstream. Like for my work um, uh, reviewing, being quote unquote one of the bad movie reviewers for horrornews.net for a long time, uh, the movies that I got were not generally even that level. They were often the sort of, Occasional like highbrow indie film that had a lot of money but didn't have big names behind it, or they were the dollar bin, five dollar bin, you know, four eighty eight special, um, uh, you know, uh, crockzilla verse, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like those type things that that maybe had a Walmart shelf release, but was they're really just shelf warmers, right? And those movies even have they have an expensive budget. It's a lot of money to rent the equipment, et cetera, and yet we get the really shot on video every you know from the 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 late late 80s all the way up to to now these home-brewed films um like your own films i mean i i think i first really you know we found each other on instagram but i found uh adam thorne's films with assault on the snake men (laughs) which is uh which i absolutely love that movie um and I have my own copy and back because it wasn't on DVD at the time. I just had the uh, the, the digital release. And I was like, I want the hard copy. Uh, now it has been released. I don't think it's still available through SOV Horror, correct?
1: No, it was just a short time. We did, there's a whole other story with that, but we did that with uh, SOV to be like a charity gig. Right. So it was just to raise some money for uh, other people's projects. So they did it just for a short time. Um, so at this moment that film is in limbo now but
0: we'll see what happens you can still get it online though i think correct
1: yeah we um, yeah i've got it on our digital server it's if you search for the archives of riot at the movies.com you'll find it um but also everyone who's on like our the movies patreon gets all all our past movies for free so those have those kind of sit there now the people who want to make comments on them they already have it
0: Right, right. Well, maybe it should be re-released uh, direct to order with a certain cover that somebody made up uh, purely for fun. Uh, that would be me. And if anybody wants that, I'd be happy to send them over the DVD cover art that I made for it because I loved it so much.
1: And it really, the cover really is that good. It, at a, a moment <laughs> when I was like, eh, what am I, else am I going to do with that? The only reason that movie got finished at all was because of the pandemic we started it just before that we bailed on it and like a year later there was like lockdown had just ended over here for a little bit of course it came back but that yep. one moment none of us none of us were working like the three or four of us who were actually were turning characters in that so we're like okay we can't get anyone else back we're not doing anything else I, we don't believe we have time to start another film we were gonna scrap it they're like let's just wear wigs, pretend we're all the other characters, and just finish the film for the hell of it. Just so we said it was done because um, I had brought in my my friend Austin who was new to that group, and I was like I need a film finished with Austin this kid who is two feet taller than me who is the youngest of all the guys in our films um, were like I, I, I need someone to see you do something and he'd done little tiny 30 second shorts on like YouTube or TikTok before, and I was like, why are we not doing this? And um it was just a need to have it finished. And that's the only reason it was done. So then when that was done, immediately I moved on to something else. But uh it'll it'll come back. At some point I'll I'll make everyone has asked what I should do is have a just a blu-ray that's all my films on there. And I'm totally willing to do that. I just need to wait for the right time.
0: It's totally understandable. What I love too though is and and I legitimately like that movie. Like I have watched, I have, anyone who's listened to the podcast, which I hope everyone has for a long time, knows that I will watch anything. I really will finish it because if nothing else, I have to know without a doubt why I hate something. And I don't hate Assault on the Snake Man. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was, it has everything I look for in the low budget passion project, which is, which as you noted, oftentimes uh, from the filmmakers perspective is dead and wants to be pushed under the rug before it's complete, because it is so much work putting together a feature length project. Uh, and I think it's about an hour on the dot, right? Somewhere yeah. around the 56 or something. And it's, it's just a fun movie. Everyone seems to be having a good time. And that's something that you don't always get uh, in, in that next tier up the 30,000 to $300,000 features where I'm like, wow, you know, th- this, this, eric roberts did not want to be there that afternoon you know and you can really feel it um and so it's it's nice to see a movie that everyone's having fun and enjoying themselves in you have a new movie that is uh for sale right now i believe uh through you directly right
1: yeah this one we just have um for both digital and physical um and was like every single thing i've ever made was a joke that someone made To me and dared me to do it so I did it um the joke was everyone has an Amityville movie so Mm -hmm. why don't you so we without naming names to not bash any other fellow filmmakers there were two films that my friend Robert and I had watched together and we hated them we hated them so bad out of the (laughs) many 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 Amityville films out there even with our ability to give give free passes to so many filmmakers were like, oh, oh, this is this was cheap. I, th- I feel I can bet, like I, I, can bet
0: I can name which ones but we'll be nice. But yeah, I, I'm we'll sure nice. they're in the past couple I, of years. their recent entries. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, there's been a, a bazillion and they're not Mark Polonia. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. They're not Polonia. Right. Um, many people might think that but I can give Mark a pass for forever for everything he's done. He's, he's one of the All I needed was I
0: Feeders 1 and everything else that he have, will ever do is just gravy.
1: Yeah <laughs> yeah, ever yeah. The back when the teenage mustaches were in there, the Polonias were inspiration to anything I've ever done. But uh so no matter they could they can and have done some of the worst things in the world and I will forever forgive that. But uh this other filmmaker jumped on the, the bandwagon more than once and um <laughs> we were so grumpy about it after watching it together. My friend Robert said this is more like an Amityville outhouse, and immediately I turned to him and said, "I'm making that. Get back to me in six months. I'll I'll have it ready for you." And uh, and it happened, um, which now we have the world to witness. Perhaps my lowest level of lowbrow comedy in um, Amityville outhouse. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm just sad that it didn't, uh, it wasn't out in time for us to include in the zombie ass toilet of the dead pairing that we did recently. Um, but I'm sure we'll have to do another uh, another lowbrow uh, plumbing humor situation or lack of plumbing humor situation. I'm really excited for it. I am an Amityville buff and I have watched probably the, the vast majority, if not uh, all of the Amityville offs and ripoffs, etc. Uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to every new horrendous entry that anyone wants to throw in the ring. Like I just saw today, the release cover for Amityville Karen. Um, we have Amityville Shark. Obviously, it's almost almost here.
1: Well, and Amityville in space comes out. Next Amityville month.
0: in space. Very excited for that one. I have to say, all of these have fantastic covers, and that is one of the things that I absolutely love about these no-budget pictures is because of the red just like the ready availability of film equipment of various qualities it has allowed us to make these movies uh with almost no budgets or no budgets we have a uh, distribution processes now which allow for like you know youtube to pay the smallest fee to a great artist and get a really fantastic cover to show you what the movie could have been you know it's almost never what the movie is so much as the aspirational goal of the picture. Um, I love- and that's
1: why I didn't let S.O.V. Horror use your cover because someone would have really <laughs> thought that. They <It> would, <laughs> would raise my expectations too much. Um, I will throw a company under the bus for that and I'm sure they don't care. Um, Wild Eye releasing a, an, <laughs> yeah. an incredible ending, ending plethora of, of films uh, from people all around the world and whoever has been their artist is way too good to be their artist yeah he he or she or or they there might be a couple of them are are so good um i consider that the digital age's answer to 42nd street grindhouse film trailers like you see those trailer mixes from the 70s and those trailers make uh i dismember mama and i spit on your grave and um i drink your blood which i actually love that movie don't but,
0: touch my sister you know
1: all those. And that that era you know um just they go on and on out of that whole genre of just click titles the titles have an angle to them the trailer has a bit of an angle to it and some cool music in there and they spent more time usually they had like joe dante edit that when he was just Mm -hmm. an editor for Corman. Which makes
0: total sense, yeah. Yeah,
1: and those were better than the whole film. So you thought, this is incredible. You went in there. At that time, I think it was the drive-in era. It was the time that you were young and could go to a theater because you could be in a place that you could make out in the dark when you weren't at your parents' place anymore. So you were a little bit more forgiving of how bad those were. But now in the quick digital age, the trailer's not important because you sort of know, we know that joke now. But now it's the cover. It's so that when you're scrolling through on a streaming system or you're going through on an order page or somewhere, you see that poster and you're like, this is, even if this is bad, this has to be amazingly bad. Then you watch the film and nothing happens. (laughs) You feel pretty cheated. But it's still, if you're into this type of film, there's people who complain about being cheated. But people like me who are in the scene of it, I just got to give it to them. I got to be like, oh, you got me again.
0: Yep. (laughs) And it's true. It's sort of that, it's the fun it's like it's like a candy grab bag right or like the popcorn mix where you're like expecting caramel and you get like the really orange cheesy one you know and you're just like i don't know i don't know how popular those are in canada but you know the, the popcorn mixes and you're just like mm, that wasn't what i expected but i knew it was a risk you know <laughs> i knew that was a possibility um and my favorite is subrosa studios srs uh who of course their covers i absolutely love their covers and you know you know when you're getting an srs movie that it could be a great like schlocky shot on video 90s like uh hidden gem or it could be uh mark polonia's hell on a shelf which we reviewed this year which is the first where i was like i'm not even sure i don't know that i really need this on my shelf but i'm gonna keep it because the cover's pretty rad you know like that even though i adore the polonias it's there's there's a time and a place. But yeah, so it's, it's, I agree. It's sort of it it tricks people in that will probably be mad. But also for those of us that understand, you know, we know the game now too. It's sort of like, oh, this cover is too good to be real. This is gonna be my kind of movie. You know, it's it's yeah. gonna be, I'm, I know I'm not going to see what's on the cover, but I I like the promise that they're running here. I like the risk to reward ratio. Um the other thing that I really love about these low-budget pictures that I, you know, going through, and I urge everyone, go to writeatthemovies.com, look through your reviews, is you'll come up with reviews for things that have never been released officially, other they're just on YouTube. Student projects, you know, weird things like that, which is something that I think is, I consider those the golden grail, right? The old, like, wow, I bought a stack of blank VHS tapes and somebody's, you know, like eighth grade film attempt was was on there I feel like I have I've been given a gift from you know the great Allah like it's just really um awesome when you watch things like that what triggers in your brain that that makes you enjoy it because I like my wife for example sometimes will just be like I don't I don't (laughs) I don't I don't want to watch this (laughs) you know I just don't want to watch this Uh, and yet I am enamored.
1: Um, I think I compare a lot to the, the found footage festival guys where, Mm -hmm. you know, they will go through tapes and they they use stuff of anything, but one of their favorite things is when they find a like eighties home video of that's just stayed recording and it's just like captured them (laughs) because like guys, like, like Seaver that we mentioned, um, I, 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 my true guide of this is like Todd Sheets, um, mm-hmm. they're in, in these, these student films that I find and where they're someone's first time, they may never do another thing again, um, which is why I push it because I want to poke them and find them, find out who they are. They're this mystery that maybe this thing's been floating around YouTube for a really long time and no one's seen it. And I kind of want to know why they didn't continue. Um, could, I can't think of the name of the guy who made it, but, but I found a film online called, um, disaster squad. I think that's what it's called. It's I, just, I read
0: your review. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's just three guys who are running around from boxes that are attacking them and then goblins show up. Um, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of a superhero film, kind of a fantasy film. Um, and it, I had sat there with it unsaved on YouTube for a long time of this curiosity of these high school kids doing something. I didn't watch it. Then all of a sudden I saw they posted again and I realized the years between the first post and this was 12 years and they made like a funny sequel as adults and was actually, I mean, not good, but I mean, it was, it was much more slick on there. So before watching that and seeing just a bit of it, I was like, okay, I have to finally watch the first one that they did in high school. And I'll be honest, I'm I'm more enamored with the high school one than the slick later one, but it was, it's that mystery. Then I get addicted to it because I'm like, now I need to know where did these kids go? Why did they not meet again? Did they stay friends for that 12 years and then just meet each other and say, well, oh, we got nothing else to do, let's do this you know they didn't do it for a job you know they did it because they really really wanted to do it as much as you you also know that they had to put a lot of effort into it if they were doing it completely for free if even if Mm -hmm. you say oh that's garbage because it's so cheap but imagine wanting to film and fill an hour and even an hour and 15 minutes and you are a bunch of high school kids with just one camera, no sound equipment, no nothing, no props or anything. The very concept that you get it done is, at all, is a lot of work. So that obviously means it meant something to them at the time. And now it's lost in the abyss. No one is ever going to see it again. No one's ever going to look at it because, I don't know, either they were embarrassed or just nobody liked it, whatever the story Or they had
0: lives that they were not, you know, one
1: They had to eventually go and make money, which I mean, you know, we're all yeah. victim to have yeah, to do that. Um, so there's all sorts of stories, and that's what I want to find out. So that's why I kind of send a few messages here, and then that's how my film festival got into play because it became an addiction to sending messages to these guys, to being, mm-hmm. why do you do this? I love it, but I don't know what anyone else does. <laughs> Can you contact? You get me in contact with the other people who do, and then you find they're out there. And you find all they do is they need a chance to be seen. And sure, they may not all of a sudden get them the next big gig, but they will discover that after just being shown by somebody else, they'll gain another dozen friends. And one of them will show it to somebody, and they'll gain another dozen fans. Um, And it just takes that little kick to find um, a new audience. And uh, I know that has always been a big payoff for me. And so far, the ones that I've done for other people have been a big payoff for them, including several of them, to start up again, which may or may not have been a bad thing for me to do that.
0: To. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, I think we reviewed way back in uh, one of our earlier episodes um, the the puppet fifty sci-fi parody. It came from Uran- Uranus or Uranus, if you're right. crass, which I am. Uh, it was from 2012. I'd found my copy at a Goodwill in New Hampshire. Um, but it was from Canadian filmmakers. And recently uh, they got in touch with us. Um, Paul Barrescu directed it uh, with some great stories and hopefully we'll be able to get them all on the pod to talk about it. It's a really fun project, but that was what this was, right? Like I couldn't find anything about them. I just had this one DVD that somehow drifted down there. And, uh, and, and when you actually do connect with the people, it's this you have this kinship with people that you've never even met before because you had this shared experience and you both have an interest in it even though you're coming from different angles maker and consumer and um it builds this weird sort of community that i i don't know about anybody else but especially in this pandemic and post-pandemic ish era that we are now like that's kind of been what's holding it together you know uh because otherwise I don't know where we would find like minds. You know, I can't imagine what this would have been like um, going through COVID-19 without the internet for one, you know, being uh, young enough to remember when it wasn't really a thing. Uh, And now like with the terrible two-day fest, you know, like there was no streaming, you know, um, thing that was going to play snapper. You know what I mean? Like the, the, you know the 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 pirate video stations and 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 uh, really bizarre uh 70s style cable channels were no longer you know it was the late 80s early 90s we didn't have that so i didn't have a place to find this kind of niche personal if if terrible film community Uh, and products whereas now we do and I think because it's more accessible we are getting more people like I've seen several people who are successful tiktokers former vine people who are starting to make their own features and you know a lot of them actually have a little money behind it but some of them don't and when you get these when you see people even if it's terrible which I think is kind of what we're getting at there's something super special to projects that are made by people who have a vision and are passionate to get it out. You know, uh, a lot of times we're like, well, it petered out at the end. Well, cause it's hard, (laughs) you know, it's really hard. So sometimes things get out there that are just the best you could do with the spoons you had to use. If you know that analogy, you know, and so I, I love these. Um, I wish I don't know if you remember, if you got these in Canada, Pendulum Pictures, it's now uh, a past print.
1: Yeah, I have all those (laughs) collections. Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, they released, I think, 350, you know, movie sets, among some other smaller sets that were essentially all relatively unknown, not in release, shot on video films from the 80s to 90s. Todd Sheets had a lot in there, I think. Um, Yeah. And, you know, those are the kind of things that in the know and now of course out of print so you're going to be paying 50 plus dollars for them but i will tell you i think they are worth it but those are the kind of things that i see and they really were what inspired me to return to my love of cult film because i was like these are movies that historians of film will talk about later because they're not most of them are not going to even survive the next decade right? Like they really are going to be gone. Hopefully somebody will bring them back or do something. But like you said, you self-published a book of reviews and stuff, which I want a copy of if that's still in print or if you can print that up. So let's make that happen. But these are movies that people made without the help of big studios, without the help in a lot of cases, some did, but in a lot of cases without the help of a a bank funding or some sort of horrible loan, you know? Um, Some of them, they weren't even Kevin Smith maxing out their credit cards. You know what I mean? It was just... Yeah. hey, what do we have? You know, because we have a camera. Um, can That kind of looks like a fetus. Can we throw it against the wall? You know, um, Las Vegas bloodbath for anyone. I don't recommend it, but it's got a certain audience. <laughs>
1: I do. Um, I recommend it. But,
0: <laughs> but. <laughs> it is. But, you know, it, yeah. So these, these are the kind of things that I think when we hear the word cult now, and there's not, it's not wrong, but you hear, you think of the big things, the things that have really become... Uh, cornerstones in cinema history like the rocky horror picture show um night of the comet even you know these things they're actually fairly well known and but if you separate cult classic to just cult and classic there are cult movies that are truly obscure i mean really really just people don't know and I love that, Adam, that you and Riot at the Movies kind of bring these out and look to bring these out. Because even, as you said, when they're terrible or you hate them, um, they just, I feel like they deserve to be seen and acknowledged. Because I want everything I make to be seen and acknowledged. I hope everyone listening right now, all the fiends of the Cult and Classic Podcast, go and tell their friends. I know they won't because they're probably like me and don't have a lot of friends. Uh, and they're, you know, they're usually like, please stop talking about some obscure movie that i don't want to watch with you um but you know there are those of us that love it and i really appreciate sharing and and bringing visibility to these as you said these sort of hidden potentially lost for all time one-time filmmaker projects
1: because well thinking again using todd sheets todd i think the reason he stayed as long as he did in that was he started doing those films at that weird, just the right time of that shot on video was getting VHS releases, so someone mm-hmm. was going to do something about it. But those who have been inspired by him, they don't even have that. I, yeah. You mentioned Night of the Comet being put as in, in the, the quote-unquote word of cult films. I, whenever I go on a streaming site, it's on there. And yeah. I don't want to disclude anything from it, but that definitely movie is too good for that type of world. Sure. I feel like I, I am in a world where I assume people think like I do. So when I'm <laughs> working at the video store at I saw cinema, um, the people get that when I go to my office job and they go, well, you guys have all seen that of the comment," And they're like, what? I don't know what that is. I'm like, Oh, Oh, I guess I have to realize. Not everyone thinks like I do, but the people who are doing these independent stuff now, either if they're student projects, if they're shot on video guys who crank them out, like a, uh, Apollonia Polonia does, or so forth. They're a mix between Edwood, who couldn't do them every week because he had to do them on film. He had to do them to be processed. He had to. Do, there was no other choice. Mm-hmm. And then there's an, a generation of people who were inspired by being, and this is really a very Canadian thing. I don't think. I mean, the movies are not. The movies are Full Moon. Everyone saw, saw that. But what <laughs> clicks to me as a Canadian is when I was 12 years old. There was a chain of video stores up here called Jumbo Video. And in most of them, in the horror section, they built a castle around them. So it was this dark, gloomy castle with a bat hanging out of it that was in the horror section. So 12-year-old me would go in there. And at that year, that was the boom of Full Moon. So a whole row of it was all the same design VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. And they were raking them out every week. And they Mm -hmm. were scary but they were still so campy silly that like a kid could watch them i mean Mm. at one point it would be all this would happen and then a totally naked woman would have her head cut off my parents would be like oh no we made a mistake but (laughs) then they'd see the next cover and like oh it's killer teddy bears it's puppets it's you know it's a robot okay how bad could it be um and they were charles band's plan at that time was to be like a comic book company He's like, mm-hmm. these are gonna cross over. I'm gonna release them every so often. I'm gonna put a thing at the end of every tape that's like Stanley's bullet pen, where I just come in and say cool things to the fans and read letters. Um, so it was collectible, not not only collectible, but it was there was always something new coming out of it. Mm-hmm. They were and then that begat everybody at home in the digital age where they're like, I can do both. I can be Edward, I can be, I can be Charles Band at the same time. Uh, which which is where as I use the word a lot, addiction comes in. They're like, okay, I can now just do them short, but make a lot of them, so people have something to watch next month, and they have something to watch the month after that, um, and what Ed Wood teaches you, what Todd Sheets teaches you, what Chris Seaver teaches you, is your friends. If you find those weirdos who are the same as you, one, you'll have people to, to have as your backup. You'll have mm-hmm. people to become if you know you're not going to be able to pay them much more than 20 bucks and uh, a, a pizza, you, uh, you're going to have these guys coming back. Um, and they're going to get better. Even if your films don't, they are going to get better. Yeah. They're going to get what they're doing. They're going to bring their own information to it. They're going to bring their own humor to it. It's that Ted um, V.
0: Mickles energy, you know, like, you, yeah. Oh you yeah. You pull from the same circle and you build this little community, even, even some of whom are, are sort of, uh, uh, opposed to one another it's now the circle of say ted V. michols and you bring him in and then your fans you know build up just like oh i remember so-and-so oh that's so-and-so oh you know john Carradine again like you know you just get it over and over again until um it's created its own mythos and that's who you know like you said, a comic book company, right? Like yeah. it's that idea. It's, it's bringing the serial, the, the community nature. And maybe that's really what it is about these no budget films that I love is it takes a community to make these things. Um, even if it's, it, you know, one person is a vision. Yes, there are some films that are just one person in a camera, of course. Um, and I, I hand it to them because that's extra tough. But it's it's the granular level of what it takes to make a movie. This person wanted to do it these people have like enough mind that they are willing to join in and they all come together to make this final project. And maybe it's because of the strife in the world right now, but I find it especially engaging to watch these movies, even the ones that are horrendous and unwatchable and technically just derelict of talent or the ones that are um, mean-spirited and well-made. And I don't know what sort of insane, if you can hear that, I have some insane gardening work going on uh we live on the devil's playground which is what i call a golf course and it is uh it is loud in here but i just i guess you you said it you know it's like you get people coming in you keep doing it you're able to keep doing it because viewers start to grow little by little uh and then you have this like-minded community of people you know it's why Todd Sheet's Goblin is one of my favorites. It's why that film has yeah. any sort of you know following at all, is just because it didn't start all at once. You know, <laughs> it's been a slow
1: grind. Oh um, man, you can't you can't hear a thing in Goblin. And I think that's what got me really addicted because I'm like, there's something great happening here, but I'm also missing a whole quality of this film. So now <laughs> I need to know. I need to like send an email to Todd Sheets someday and find out going on in that film um i would say my joke of ted v mickles is you know he sure he invented the bring a group together his only problem is he married half of them so you don't always want to do that but um, <laughs> the uh, the thing about uh, todd is what set this in my mind and then when i saw Seaver for the first time it's the same thing um and i can imagine a kid in the 60s seeing a Ed Wood film and thinking the same thing. And because the Ed Wood doc- documentary, the, the film, um, the you know, Tim Burton film, really makes you think of this too, where you know the people behind this are a whole group of weirdos. And so the people who like to make these films were also a bunch of weirdos. So, and especially right now in the internet days, and especially with the pandemic, just watching it at home, you're not even watching them in groups anymore so much, which is a shame. A lot of these films need to be watched in a group to really appreciate it. Um, But you're watching them and you're seeing this returning group of people, be them playing different characters or the returning characters or not. And you think, man, I kind of want to hang out with this group of weirdos, but yeah. I can't. So how do I do it? How do I hang out with them without hanging out with them? Because I live on the other country. I live in other part of the world. Or they're I dead. Just do the same. Yeah, or they're dead. I just <laughs> do the same thing. I'll just make a film just like them. Um, mm. it, <laughs> so much so in my addiction. I think at some point with you talking to Seaver, you thought Seaver and I knew each other. but I, I did. Just, I just follow his stuff and message him all the time um, so much so that one of my friends up here and a guy who, again, I use the word friend in an interesting way. Cause I mean, we only know each other from meeting up at conventions a lot and we bumped into each other, both wearing warlock shirts. And so after that we exchange emails and we would message each other all the time. And it was like a dare, which one of us is going to get into a car and just drive down find him and make a film. And one day he messaged me going, guess where I just drove down. I'm like, would you just drive down and find Chris Seaver? And he's like, yep, I'm going to be in one of his films. I've just said I'm going to do it. Because we kept daring each other and like, well, yeah. you can do it. Um, because that's the addiction. We were all like, I want to hang out with these guys. Um, they're weirdos like me. And they, I feel like I get it and they get me. So if nothing else, we'll learn to express the same stuff. Right now with the internet is a lot of guys, because we're all doing green screen stuff. I do a, <laughs> do a fair bit of this um since the festivals and all the different artists that i've met um we've been doing a lot of films and we're like i want you as a cameo but you're in canada all right let me just film something and superimpose me into it um (laughs) (laughs) and then we do a good chunk of amityville on green screen i never did before and we but we do it this time solely because I wanted to homage the fact that all these people are doing it. Now, a bunch of us have been talking. We've done it way too much. So, we're really glad that we can get out and actually film stuff again. Um, (laughs) But, uh, guys like.
0: Well, I think of Jordan Goff recently with dinosaurs in a mining facility. You know, like that's a perfect example of, you know, any way you now. We have the opportunity to do things whether it's with other actors or with cgi you know uh copyright free images on youtube <laughs> green screen technology in our homes like what i'm using right now if you're watching this on youtube once i upload this in a million years you know we will <laughs> you can see how accessible it is to all of us and it just it opened this huge floodgate like you said it is a little tiresome sometimes. I know being in the comedian circuit, I know so many comedians who have film credits and films. I'm like, what did you do? And they're like, oh, I like Jack Lampasario was on here. She's like, yeah, I, I just filmed a fake suicide of myself on my phone and sent it in. You know? yeah. <laughs> like,
1: it's... yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I've however, pre pandemic, as you mentioned, Eric Roberts has been doing that for films for the last 15 years now. Um, I almost, yeah. almost made one with him. He's at a convention. And he said it would cost this much to do. And I was like, I think I have that much in the bank right now. And I didn't have a movie at that point. So yeah. we we're all, I'm being a friend, we huddling. like, can we just tell him to go film something in the bathroom and we'll just make something up and we can use it later? And I'm like, I might need that <laughs> money. I don't know. And it was this really close. And he's like, sure, guys, whatever you want to do. And I'm like, you are so open to this, Mr. Roberts. <laughs> like no it's okay just take my 20 dollars and sign this i'm good and i'm walking away going you want to let me just film something with him and at that moment yep. i didn't have anything and for, <laughs> it haunted me for like a year and then i i sort of made an idea out of that thought i had but then was like oh, i missed the chance because i didn't want to to just record his voice i wanted to physically have him there um which i now i know i can do that so maybe maybe eric roberts will appear as a voice of an evil puppet in the future but <laughs>
0: that that would be great i mean i remember so i don't know if anybody has seen it's riff tracks has done it which is great uh, a, a talking cat exclamation yeah. point question mark yeah i mean he recorded all of his lines for the cat on a cell phone in the living room um you know probably could have done it a little better but you know hey he's in a good portion of that movie he's a cat that doesn't look at the camera but he's in that movie You know, and, and that's just the kind of crazy technology that you just, it's, it's every, every year, there's new stuff that people are learning to use for these low budget, no budget pictures, and um, I hope they keep coming out, and I, I think they will, I can't imagine it stopping, I don't think, as you said, one of the great things about these projects is nobody's doing these for the money right? Like, sure, eventually, because it's not, we don't have the video rental store market anymore, even if you have the streaming thing. I mean, uh, I know many filmmakers who've done, say, *Trauma*. Uh, now, you know, the streaming service for them, and th- the money is not, it's not there. You know what I mean? Like, it's nice to have because it's accessible, and it's a good credit, so that you can say, hey, like, I did this, here it is, people can go watch it, but you're not making any money on it, right? And so, when you make these, it is for, the gratification of having a final project with you and all these people to say, I did it. Michael Bay, I made a movie that's at least as good as Bad Boys 2. So here you go, world. Like, eat it up. <laughs> and I really respect wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. There's
1: a movie better than Bad Boys 2? Where is this? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: deep dive for listeners. You can hear me and Tad Mastrani, longtime contributor, argue about that movie uh, during one of our. Um, bad movies we love uh, are you on the
1: upside or the downside i'm on the
0: downside of that movie uh Uh, i don't know if we can be
1: friends anymore Nate. i know
0: (laughs) you and tad can form form a nate has bad taste podcast um it's it you'd constantly have uh have things to talk about um but you know before we get close to the sign off here i want to uh give a shout out can you name your top three no budget low budget schlockmeister filmmakers off the top of your head?
1: How many again? Just the top three? Just
0: three, and your favorite film of each. How about that?
1: Oh, man. Um, all right, well, then, yeah, The I mean, for the SOV guys out there, the guys who totally do it themselves, who inspired me to do what I do, of course, Mark Polonia. Um, Mark Polonia's um, the... The favorite for me is Feeders two, the Christmas one, because that's the Christmas sleigh bells, yeah, yeah. But um, but the uh, there's one that he did that didn't get released away way later. It was a, a project as a kid, and that that's, this is the kind of thing where you find this and you think, if I never saw anything else of this, I need to know who these guys are and what they did. It's hallucinations, hallucinations with him and his brother and mm-hmm. um, their early best friend at that time. They're the only actors in the whole film. And it is not only trippy, it's actually creepy. They all of a sudden these two guys who have done all this slot later on, they're like, wait, when you were kids, you could act. You should be in yeah. your films more, because there's actually something going on here. Um, it's
0: I think that's actually on a collection hard. at SRS, I think. If you if you guys want to. They did at dig least at out. one
1: point for sure. Yeah. yeah. They uh, if nothing else, SRS's Vimeo on Demand page has mm-hmm. that. Um, and then it's mentioning Todd Sheets, um, Todd, (laughs) what? Nightmare Asylum? Nightmare Asylum is uh, one of his, which gets me every time, because one, it's just weird characters all the way through, It's, it's pretty much Dream State, um, but at the end, in the credits, this shows that he was an angsty teenager like me, he tells off people in the credits that didn't, that don't like him. (laughs) He leaves like angry messages about people who like, it says something like for all those people who ever, every time they see me with a VHS camera, think I'm making porn, go to hell. (laughs) 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 And You witness that he's grown up since then. He's now an adult, but that was when he was a kid and um, you're just watching a person evolve. And, And so Nightmare Asylum stays in my head forever. And then, (laughs) <laughs> I would say Seaver, but no, I'm not going to say Seaver just because I, I am addicted <laughs> to his films and love them. But the other guy who has is the reason that I make bad no budget films is um, Wascovich, uh, Mike Wascovich, uh, oh. the suburban Sasquatch. I mean, Fungicide
0: is my favorite. <laughs> uh, if you've seen Suburban Sasquatch, go check out Funguside. Uh y- if you can't find it easily, because it is a little harder to find, uh, I think on physical at least, you can get the Rift Tracks version, which is also really fun, r- right? tracks.com friends of the pod.
1: Well, um, which has recently sort of opened up his his uh all his films. So that's why he's given a bunch of rift tracks. Most of the streaming sites like Tubi and Midnight Pulp have everything he's made, even oof. new films from just the last couple of years. Which are just as equally great in their own ridiculous way.
0: And his newer films are 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 he really reaches to try and be disturbing, if I remember correctly.
1: Even at the time, um, there's one Tartarus happened around the same time yeah. as Suburban Sasquatch, and mm-hmm. Tartarus is an upsetting art film. It yeah. is, and it's weird because it has the same cast. So you're seeing the same people from Suburban Sasquatch doing really upsetting things. And after years (laughs) of seeing Suburban Sasquatch, finally seeing Tartarus and being, what is going on? How did these people think both is okay? Which made me even more addicted to wondering, what is this guy? What is going on (laughs) in his head?
0: I... I love that. I absolutely do. I I I will try. I will not duplicate any of yours because I would also say Weskovich and I absolutely will say Polonia, Mark Polonia, and the Polonia Brothers um, when when they were you know when uh, John was alive, and I would say for me it's it's Feeders One, although House that Screamed One and Two are both uh, really fun also. Um, I, I'm also, I will say again, Ted B. Mickles. I'm not going to say Astro Zombies. I'm going to say Astro Zombies M3 clones because a uh, good friend and Fiend of the Pod, Peaches Christ has a cameo in that movie. Um, and if you want to know about how to do quick cameos and pulling people using all sorts of different methods for your movies, try M3, which of course came out like uh, only a million years after the original was filmed. And um, I think for my final... <sighs> It's hard not to say Ed Wood um, just because, you know, that is the most classic image of of run and gun filmmaking in an era when you couldn't run and gun filmmaking. You know, you didn't have portable cameras really. They're big, they're expensive. Um, He just had to make enough money with these films to churn out to make the next one. Um, And a lot of people don't know too, uh, in his later life, he moved to making pornography films. Um, and, uh, one of m- my favorite, which I think you can get it from alpha blue archive. Uh, I'm it's, it's uh, necromania necromania, oh. and it's actually, you know, it's an R-rated cut, but then distributors put in X-rated material because they were like, no, one's going to buy this. But what I love about those is they still have Edwards insane and I'm using insane facetiously but his really bizarre sensibilities in them. Like, if you watch one of those movies expecting to be aroused, well, <laughs> you're going to get a similar feeling to what you expected going into, um, you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space expecting to be scared. Like, it's not going to happen, um, but you will experience things. And uh, it's it's that one vision that truly came out that that only only a special person with a special group of weirdos, of like-minded weirdos behind him could do. And so those are my three for this one.
1: So So that whole genre of film is like finding a group of people who are hardcore vinegar syndrome film collectors now meeting hardcore vinegar syndrome fans from five, six, seven years ago. And those guys don't understand each other. They're <laughs> in fact, they they're, don't. Creeped, they're creeped out by each other.
0: <laughs> it's true. And that's one thing too, is when you, you meet someone like, oh, I love weird movies. And then they tell you something and they're like, I don't know, like I had somebody the other day and I'm not trying to rag on them, but it didn't make me laugh because they were much younger. Um, and it, they said the uh, 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I, I was like, okay. And they asked me and I'm like, I don't know what to tell like i'm like well i mean did did you see toolbox murders like if you're toby hooper adjacent even though that wasn't him and they're like and i lent it to them and they were they were not impressed in fact they were confused that i was happy with it um Mm -hmm. and it's just you know it takes some time but i guarantee you that same person in five to ten years they will revisit that and they'll be like, wow, this is great. I can't believe we didn't know that because your mind changes to adapt and read between the lines of all the cultness between films and between movies and start to your interest becomes more uh, niche right? I assume wine tasting is the same, right? You know, at the beginning, any two-buck chuck is going to be great, but the more they know, the more insufferable they get to everybody else because they're like, no, but you can really taste the chutney that they threw in the batch here (laughs) at the end of the fermentation period. And everyone else is like, hmm, tastes the same as the $10 bottle that I had last week, you know? But you're like, no, really, like, pay attention to this. This actress is actually watching her kid off screen because she couldn't find a sitter. And it really (laughs) works its way into the plot. Um, Yeah, so I- Working in a video
1: store for so long, it's been also my nightmare to myself that I have turned into the cliche of a record store guy. Right. Um, (laughs) Ice for Cinema, where we do our events for a long, when I worked there as a regular clerk, We were a store above a record store and there were and we were a fringe film store so it's got to be the snobbiest nerdiest place in the world but there was a (laughs) record store below us that was the hip place in town so if it wasn't for them we would have had nobody but when they would come up to our store and they would tell us that we were less nerdy and less snobby than the record store, it was this relief of like, oh, <laughs> I'm always like afraid at this point when I tell somebody, because I was about to cut you off before going, what are you talking about? The Toby Hooper produced steelbox murder. What about the original? Well, come on, Cameron Mitchell <laughs> here, folks. And, and I'm like, wait, you're not an asshole, Adam. Don't say that. <laughs>
0: i was wait. it was a test it was a test and i um i recently in fact this week uh as we record this the, the episode that just launched on uh cult and classic podcast yes we pre-record uh more than a day before of course because we are professionals uh sometimes <laughs> we did uh sydney poignet's first directed film we're going highbrow with buck and the preacher and cameron mitchell plays you know uh uh the the former um southern confederate officer who's harassing these these newly freed black families as they go west and all i could see when i looked at his face was every millennial's grandmother like saying really like clearly racist but not explicitly racist things except he had a mustache i think he had his first facelift at the time so like you know and that's all i could see but every time i see cameron mitchell i think of that film uh, and then i think of him as santa claus in space mutiny,
1: space mutiny um, yeah i, I mean <laughs> that's that's the golden time because uh, again for the westerns that he appears in to the action films that he appears in mm-hmm. m- most people still don't know those films those aren't considered bad films they are considered cult films because he didn't go out there to make bad films to him uh, of a preacher was the same as making space mutiny. I don't know how he thought those were the same thing, but he. Him, I mean, was. he
0: treated the. I mean, he treats the. That's true, and this has become a tangent on Cameron Mitchell, but he really does treat, and it's sort of a Nick Cage concept, right? He treats every yeah. single role as though, like, with the same mentality and diligence that he treats every other role. So it doesn't matter if he's in a Francis Ford Coppola movie or if he's in um, a B-flick where he's just going to be edited in between, like... A Leo like,
1: Fong sh- film. Right,
0: right. Where he's just going to be edited into weird spots or um, that one of the many, like, weird 60s espionage films where he's riding in the back of a truck as an evil mastermind. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, just any number... It's just, it's like the, um, <laughs> the John Carradine, although you can argue what the the expert acting that he portrays it tends to be very similar but he has a mo- you know he has a presence yeah. um so yeah, i just this is this is great it's been great talking to you another cult film lover um i expect a copy of your book uh and uh, and <laughs> my and plan
1: that's... is to let i mean that book is on amazon somewhere i've um, one of them is uh, bad movies and booze. So I give drink cocktails for every three movies. Um, <laughs> but because uh, most of the reviews were done at three a m while coming home from a gig. Um, but the uh, my plan is to make a revisioned book. So I'm going to let mm. those ones die and make okay. a new one uh, working on it as we speak. Um, and Amityville Outhouse is available from me directly. so go to Instagram, write of the movies, ridemovies dot and uh I'll lead you in the right direction for it.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Um keep an eye out, listeners, for uh on at uh, rightatthemovies.com and at right at the movies. And uh we will always share them at Colton Classic Podcast, Instagram, and such as well for the terrible two-day fest, uh, which I hope continues for every year. Uh, if you miss it this year, there, there's an online component where you can see awesome movies uh, hosted by Adam Thorne himself. And as always, please send your reviews, your hate mail, your comments. Why Bad Boys 2 is the best movie ever. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, your sensible um, uh, pro-Nate supporting Bad Boys 2 is a terrible film to cult and classic Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram at classic Podcast. Watch as I trickle in videos of all our episodes uh, for the past uh inception of the pod at youtube.com slash cult classic podcast so many places to visit but most importantly follow like us and subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcast helps other people find us and keep on checking www.cultonclassicpodcast.com as we're gonna have new things there's a shop there you can buy zines that support us directly like my uh comic with uh comedian dakota freeman called coco the clown a lot of fun as well as our old rear design issues For your reading pleasure. Treat your ear and eyeballs. And we thank you so much. Place that as always at the Chud with All About Evil.